Good morning. How's everyone doing again? Well, let's do it again. Good morning. How's everyone? I want you to awake and alive and ready. After worshiping that, hopefully the inside of your heart's crying out to the Lord this morning. From the inside out, right? We're to worship Him with all everything that we have. If you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be in one verse today, verse 58. I'm doing other passages, but that's where you need to be this morning. Uh, you can pick up a message outline right out there in the center doors, as I say, the ministry counter. Today's message is really a follow-up to a series that we concluded a couple weeks ago. Remember what that series was? Unstoppable. Yes, somebody remembers. Unstoppable. Where the church is called to be unstoppable, and you're called to be unstoppable. Do you remember a couple years ago when people were protesting across the country, and in many cities they turned to violence, where they... they they broke in and burned down stores and businesses, and they robbed them of everything they had. And one person they talked with said, to watch all your life's work destroyed in front of you is just horrific. It, it is terrible when you look at something you have poured your whole life into, and it just goes up in flames. Have you ever wondered that with your regards to your service to the Lord? Have you ever thought about that, that, that you're serving Him, and you're working hard for Him, and you're doing everything you, you feel like you can, and maybe you don't see the results. Maybe you don't see the results in the time that you want to see those results. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, Lord, is this really worth it? That I'm pouring out my heart right now. Is it really worth it, Lord? Am I really making a difference in what I'm doing? Well, I want to answer that question this morning to Paul's letter to the Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, let me give you a little bit of background about this passage to understand where, why Paul is writing this. Hey, Paul was writing to the Corinthian believers. In the church at this time, there was false teaching that was going on at this time that was really particularly in the second century called Gnosticism, but it had its roots in the first century. And Gnosticism is really the belief system uh, based on the word gnosis or, or knowledge that one could become spiritual and get to know God better by becoming and growing uh, intellectually and growing in knowledge by reaching these different levels of intellect, they thought, and intellectual knowledge. And some of them taught that you could become a god small g, a little a God. And once you received and developed your mind to such a degree that you become a God, they thought. So they, they thought, well, if spirituality is in the mind, which they thought it was, was all in the mind, then what about the body? Well, they thought the body was wicked and evil. And so they came across and they came to two opposite conclusions. What about the body in, in terms of practical living? One was of them was called asceticism, which is if the body is evil, then they did bring that body under subjection. And so what they would do, deprive the body of food and water and sleep or, or beat the body with the whip or strap. And there was some that were doing that. The other side was the exact opposite extreme. They said that if this body is evil, and they said that, and you can't do anything about it, that the body is evil, they fleshed out this theological doctrine called antinomianism, which means no law that by God's grace, they were not under, no longer under any kind of law, any kind of whatsoever. So they did whatever they wanted to do. And that's what they did. They did whatever they wanted to do. And this led to all kinds of sexual sins and problems you can imagine. No law. I can do whatever I want. And some of this perhaps even entered into the Corinthian church at this time. So Paul is writing to them, and he's building his argument that the body is not evil. He's saying that the body is not evil. In fact, Jesus took on the form of human flesh. Jesus took on the form of a body. So these people have a real difficult time with the incarnation of Christ, right? They'd also have a real difficult time with the resurrection of Jesus because Jesus came forth in bodily form. So Paul is writing 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
and spends the first 34 verses, and he's talking about the reality of the resurrection. He's telling them that Jesus went into the grave in bodily form, and he came out of that grave also in bodily form. And because of that, he's saying, our faith is not empty. Our faith is alive and it's full. He says, because of the resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus came forth from that grave and he's the first fruits. So all of us too who know Jesus Christ our Savior will come forth from that grave, he's saying. And he's telling that. So it's not about this life. It's about the next and the reality of this life. But the bodily transformation of the next life makes this life really important that we live today. And so the body is not something to be used or abused. The body is something to be used for the glory of God, he's telling them. So now Paul is building this argument. Then he gets to verse 58, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. You find it? Everyone have it? So he says here in verse 58, Therefore, after understanding all that I told you, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Here's the big idea of the, the message this morning so you get where I'm going. Here it is. The church that works is a church that works. Very simple concept, very simple idea. The church that works is a church that works. Always constantly serving the Lord. Always constantly serving Him with everything they have. We know that serving the Lord is not holding a job down in the church. You know that, right? You know, you know that. It's, 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 I'm a Sunday school teacher. I'm a small group leader. I work in the cafe. I'm usher. I'm a greeter. Whatever it may be, that's what you do. This, I'm this or that. And we know that serving the Lord takes place in the church, right? Takes place in the church. Takes place in this building. But you're not in this building most time during the week, right? So serving the Lord also has to take place outside of this building too, right? The only common sense has to take place outside of this building because that's where we're at most of the time. It's in our community. It's meeting the needs. It's, it's representing Jesus where we go with our families, with our co-workers, with our neighbors, with every organizations that we might belong to. It's wherever we go trying to minister to God's grace in a way that expands his kingdom because that's what we're called to do. Wherever we go, remember? We talked about that in our series that we went through. Wherever we go, whoever we're with, we're to magnify the name of Jesus. We're to lift up the name of Jesus wherever you go. That's what we're called to do. It's taking a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. But if that passage is not really talking about a cup of cold water. It's talking about you and I to do whatever God gives us the opportunity to do in the name of Jesus. Just not a cup of cold water. But we're to minister it in the name of Jesus to whomever, wherever we're at, God calls us to do. So it also can include many things that are done in this building, but also things outside of this building. But what he's getting across that whatever we do, we're to serve the Lord, always serving the Lord. In other words, it's not an age thing, where now I get to this age, and some people believe it's an age thing, now I'm able to serve the Lord because I'm at this age, I'm at the appropriate age, right? It's not about a maturity status. Well, now, because I went through this class and this class and this class, now I'm able actually to serve the Lord because I went through all these classes, and now I'm equipped and trained, and I can serve. It's not about that either. It's not about where we get to the place in our lives and say, you know, I've served past tense, I've served all those years. Now I can just sit in my lazy boy and relax and take it easy, right? That's not what he's talking about either. He's not saying that either. What he's saying, always serving the Lord. Always giving yourselves fully to the Lord, he's saying. When I think of that wording, it always reminds me of a sports game. When the sports game is all tied up and just a few seconds to go, and the coach comes in and says, it's all on the line right now. You need to give it everything that you've got because you've got to win this. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, always give yourselves 
fully to the work of the Lord. Always giving yourselves. So he's saying this is important. Let's give it everything that we got. Don't hold anything back is what the Apostle Paul is saying. As you're serving the Lord, let it all, give it all. Don't hold anything back. Give it everything that you have. There are two reasons for that we find in this passage in serving the Lord. If you have your outlines, two reasons for serving the Lord. And the first one is this. Serving the Lord is not optional. It's never meant to be an option. Uh, he says, stand firm. It's a continual imperative, what he's giving here. It's stand firm and movable. Always giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. In other words, the Apostle Paul isn't saying this. He's not saying, hey, this would be a really good idea if you got some time on your hands. I think it would be a really good thing for you to do is to serve the Lord. That's not what he's saying. The Apostle Paul is saying, no, serve the Lord, commanding. Serve the Lord. You've got a body. You've got time. You've got a gift. Serve the Lord. In fact, the Scripture tells us this. Every one of us have got a spiritual gift, right? Every one of us in this room, if you know Christ is your Savior, He's given you a spiritual gift, a talent, a, a skill, or something to use to glorify God. And it was God's plan for the body, the church, to do the work of the ministry. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, you probably know this verse, it says, It was He who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, there's four, perhaps five gifts that are given there. What was the purpose of them being given? I'm glad you asked. The next verse tells us. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's why he gave those gifts. So the word prepare, the word prepare can also be translated equip. Your translation may have that. It was a word that was used to mean to repair the nets or to fix it or to kind of a bone, place a bone back in place that was broken, is saying. So... My job as the pastor is to equip and train the body to do the work of the ministry. See, some churches you come in, when they talk about ministering or doing the work of the ministry, they say, well, we pay the pastor to do that, right? They don't understand Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 says because it's all of our job, every one of us, including myself, to do the work of the ministry. I just have an additional job here. I'm supposed to equip or prepare the body, this body, to do the work of the ministry. Why? Why do we do this? It tells us that. So that the body of Christ may be built up. That's what we're called to do, to build the body of Christ up. Build other believers up with our gifts, with our skills, with our talents. They were to build the body up, encourage one another, build each other up, minister to one another using our gifts is what it's saying. It's a beautiful thing because a church that works is what? A church that works. I want you to get that in your head. A church that works is a church that works. That's the only way it's going to work. It's not one person doing it all. It's not two. That's three. A church that works is a church that works. So he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and also in 1 Peter chapter 4 that every one of us have been given a spiritual gift. And if you were here today, you know Jesus as your Savior, you have at least one gift, probably more. Probably want more. And sometimes you will see books that say, discover your spiritual gifts. And I've used a lot of those, and I've used a lot of those things to kind of find out what people's spiritual gifts are. And I've come to understand, I don't really like that terminology. I don't like that picture that it picks, pictures because it kind of gives us this picture that we have these spiritual gifts and they're in hiding. So we have to go search for them under the rug, behind the chair, and God is playing a game with this. When you finally find the gift that you think is yours and you use it and you fail, God kind of laughs at us. Ha, 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 try another. That wasn't it. And we look at this, that's not who God is. When you look at Scripture, God is not like that. God is always, remember this, He's always trying to reveal to us. He always does. God is not keeping secrets from us. 
Doesn't think, don't think he's keeping secrets. He's trying to reveal to us. We have the Word of God, and what is God trying to do in the Word of God? Reveal to us. He wants us to know who he is. He wants us to know the truth. He wants us to know his will. So he reveals it to us right here in the Word of God. He reveals to us. There's no secrets. He's not trying to keep from us like the redemption plan. He's made it crystal clear, the redemption plan, right? So we can understand what it is. It is by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone that we have a relationship with God the Father and our sins forgiven. Amen? That we know that. And if anybody's honest and you looked at the Word of God, you find it right here in the New Testament. It's all through there. The way we can have a relationship with God and have our sins forgiven and to get to heaven is through Jesus. Jesus actually said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ephesians 2 8 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. It's only through Christ. So it's all through here. It's crystal clear God's redemption plan. But God's gifts are crystal clear too for us. Let's not make it so it's hard to find out what our gifts are. God makes them crystal clear. And, and he gives, it makes it un, us to understand that sometimes there are natural abilities that God gives to us. Like if we can play an instrument or we can sing. At the time of salvation, the Holy Spirit will take those and he will enhance those for spiritual service, for spiritual purposes. So God will take those natural talents that maybe we have, those natural abilities that we have, and he'll take those and he'll enhance them so you might use them for the glory of God. Like some people all, all week long might be in the financial world. And they come in here and they say, boy, I'm really good with numbers. So they get involved in the financial team. Some people might come in the same area and say, I, I deal with numbers all day. I don't want to deal with numbers. So they get involved with so, something else. But whatever God has gifted you with, your talent, your skill, God wants you to use that for spiritual service too. Not just say, I use that at work and that's all. He says, no, I've given you those abilities. You say, well, I, I've gained that ability from my mom or my dad taught you that. No, God gave you that ability to understand it and do it. He gave you the know-how. If it's physical labor, he gave you the back to be able to do that, right? So God gets all the glory. He did all that. So he helps us to do this, and that's what he wants to do. He says, whatever gifts you have, whatever they might be, he says, I want you to serve the Lord, serve him wholeheartedly with everything that you have. And so using our gifts, whatever we do to serve the Lord. So the first reason we serve the Lord, because why it's not an option, it's not optional. We're called to serve him. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Imperative commandment. Always do it. Not an option. The second reason for serving the Lord, we realize serving is not an option, right? The second reason, because serving the Lord, he says, it's not in vain. It's worthwhile. In verse 58, he says, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not empty is what he's saying. It comes in a first full circle argument, he's saying here. He began the chapter by saying at the beginning, he says, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he's saying, your faith is not empty. That if the grave is empty, your faith is full. If the grave is full, then your faith is empty. So he's, now he's building that same argument with the regards to service, he's saying. He says, when we serve the Lord, because the grave is empty, your service is full. It's all because of the resurrection. All this is because of the resurrection. That's why it's so important that we understand the resurrection is very important. It's because the grave is empty, your service is full, your faith is full. And we can serve him and enjoy that service because it's not a waste of time. That everything we do in the Lord, none of it's a waste of time. It's going to accomplish things that God wants to accomplish. And it's out of that service to the Lord when we serve him where you and I will find fulfillment in this life. But you say, boy, I'm looking for fulfillment. I'm looking for something that's really going to meet the, the, what God has called me to do. That's where you find it. Fulfilling to serve the Lord, you find fulfillment. 
We find making a difference in other people's lives gives us fulfillment, being used by God. We find that if we, we say we want the joy of our salvation, we've kind of lost it. We find that being used for, by God for his glory, for works of service. That God has set you and I apart, the reason he saved us, be used, set apart for good works that he's prepared for us in advance, right? So he has all these good works, and many times people say, boy, I just don't have the passion. I just don't have that joy in my salvation. He used to have, get involved in serving, serving. So, so many times we get so inward focused in our own lives, and we get our focus off of Jesus, off of God, and we get it on ourselves. And anytime we get our focus off ourselves, guys, we're going to lose the joy of our salvation because this life is not to be about ourselves. So we have to get our focus off ourselves and get it on Jesus and then on others. That's where our focus is supposed to be, not on ourselves. And when we do that, we find the joy of our salvation. We find significance. We find fulfillment because now I'm doing what God has called me to do, to serve him and minister to others. And by that, I find fulfillment. And I find, God, I'm impacting life and making a difference in people's lives. So I want to kind of close this with three questions. And I want you to listen to these three questions and answer them in your own hearts. The first one is, where do you serve? Seriously, where do you serve? As a follower of Jesus, if serving is not an option, it's not. It's not an option. Where do you serve? So you say, well, I, I, I serve. I'm an usher greeter. I serve in the cafe. I'm, I'm a Sunday school teacher. I teach Sunday school down there in the uh, nursery through preschool or kindergarten through fifth. I, 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 or, or maybe I'm a small group leader. Or maybe I'm one that invites people to church and I've got evangelistic bent and, and I love to share Christ and I'm, I'm trying to share it with my neighbors. Where do you serve? It should be so easy for us, all of us to answer that. If it's not an option, and service is not an option, and I know I might be putting this right on every one of you, but service is not an option. You need to understand that. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. God didn't save you to go live your life yourself, to do what you want to do. He saved you to do his good works of service. And if service is not an option, it should be easy to answer. Where do you serve? You should be able to write at the end of your lips, I serve here and I do this. I serve here in the church. We should all be serving inside this building, but we also should be serving outside. How are you serving outside of this building? What are you doing? How are you trying to reach people? How are you ministering to others? We should all be able to answer that question. Where do you serve, right? And I should be able to share that and go up and down everybody. I serve here and I won't do that to you. But we should be able to answer that. If you can't, you need to understand that serving is not an option. We're called to be serving the Lord, right? The second question I have for you is, why do you serve if you're serving? And sometimes I get when people say, why do I serve? Because I want to be right with God. Listen to me very carefully. Your service to God does not make you right with God, right? Your good works that you do will never make you right with God. It will never, it's never meant to do that. The only way we're right with God, and hopefully all you understand this, the only way that you and I are right with God is through Jesus, right? That's what makes it right with God. That we realize we're a sinner and that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He paid the full payment. That he died on the cross. He was buried and raised on the third day. And you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus. And through Jesus, now we are right with God, right? We have Jesus' righteousness. Everyone understands that, right? That's how we're right with God. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the way you get right with God is come and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I come and I accept Jesus died for me, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus. That's how we get right with God. Now we serve because we are right with God. We serve because I am right with God, and God has called us to serve, and it's not an option because God has called you to serve. Do you realize that? 
And it's true. He's called you to serve. It's not an option. Because God has given you these amazing gifts. Each one of you have amazing gifts and talents that I don't even probably know about. And you've got all these talents and gifts and, and skills that you have that you don't put on display here. And God says, I've given it. Why are you hiding it under a bushel? Why are you hiding it? Bring it to light and use it for my glory. And watch what God will do. Once you open up that gift and say, I'm going to use it, watch how you just blossom. Watch what God does for you. To serve him, to bring him glory with the gift. Because the Bible tells us, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord in everything. That God has given each one of you at least one gift, probably more, and you would use those gifts as we give back to him by serving him for his glory, glory unto him, by ministering to others. That's what we're called to do. God says, I give you a gift to be used, not to hide it, but to use it for my glory. So you might be used by God. That's how we reach others. We reach others by serving and, and using our gifts to minister and to serve others. That's how, that's how we do it. Always looking for opportunities to share Jesus. Always being on mission, right? Being on mission, looking for those opportunities so people can hear about Jesus. That God will take those gifts you have, those talents, those skills at the time of salvation. The Holy Spirit will enhance those for spiritual service, whatever it may be. If you allow him to do it, he'll do that. Those things that you do at work, you say, well, it can only be applied at work. That's, wait a minute. I can use that skill over here if you will just use yourself, that you would just say yes, and we could use that. Many things that we do at the home, we're doing. God says, I can use that right here. Are you willing to be used? And so we look and say, I don't have gifts. God says, you've got all kinds of gifts. You're just not willing to use them. Allow God to use those gifts that you have to serve him, because that's what he's called us to do. And so the third question, the second question, where do you serve? The second question is, why do you serve? And the third is, is it worth it? Think about that. Is it really worth it to serve the Lord? What do you think? Is it worth it? You'd say it's worth it, and if it is worth it, it says here in verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, then the verse 58, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not empty, he's saying. Because everything you do, if you're doing it for him and you're doing it for his glory, then God and his power are behind it. Do you understand that? If you're doing it for God, if you're truly doing it for him, then God and his power is behind that. How much power does God have? Creation power. Look what, look all around you. He created all this just by his words. And so God and his power behind anything you do for him. So first, I want you to notice, God notices what you're doing. So every good work that you're out there doing, God notices everything. Nothing goes unnoticed by God. He notices everything that you're doing. And it goes on the other side of that. God also notices what you're not doing. Just be aware of that. He notices all those opportunities that he's given you, and you're not doing them. You're not serving. You're not serving him, trying to do good works for him, that you're doing your own thing. He notices all that. Secondly, and this is really important, God's word and his work never come back empty. Isaiah 55 verse 11 talks about his word does not come back empty, does not come back void. It will accomplish its purpose. Whenever you are serving the Lord and you're, you're living for him, it's going to make a difference in people's life. Whether you see it or not with your own eyes, whether you see it in people's lives or not, it's making a difference. It is because God guarantees that it's going to. God's promises will not come back empty. They never do. They always accomplish its purpose. Always do. If you're truly doing work for God and doing it through his power, it, your works that you do cannot fail to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. Do you realize that? So when you're serving, you're not seeing, man, it's really not a difference. God is accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. And it may not be 
what you're hoping to see, because sometimes when God's word goes out, when we minister where God goes out, sometimes people will tender their hearts and respond, and they say yes to Jesus, and yes, I want to get involved, but sometimes it just hardens their heart even more, and they reject God, right? So God's word accomplishes everything God wants us to accomplish when it goes out. Just like this morning, God's word is going out to you, and it's going to accomplish its purpose. Some of you will tend your heart, say, yes, I need to get involved, and you're going to get involved. Some of you, hopefully none of you, some of you say, ah, I hear him, but yeah, that's not really, I'm not going to do that. You're hard in your hearts, whether you realize it or not. God's word always accomplishes its purpose. It never comes back empty. It never comes back void. It always accomplishes. We can either harden our hearts or tender our hearts toward God. It's up to you. And that's what God wants. He wants us to tender our hearts. Every good work that believers in Christ do in this life has eternal benefits that the Lord himself guarantees. Every one of them. Every good work that you do has eternal benefits. He says in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, Jesus says this, and I love this passage. Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Now that passage here, it says, my reward is with me. It's not talking about salvation. You understand it, right? Because salvation is a free gift. It's not a reward. Salvation is given to us because what Jesus did on the cross, we didn't do anything for that, right? Jesus did it all. He died on the cross. He was buried and raised on the third day. All you and I do is accept what Jesus did. It's a free gift to every one of us, right? So it's not talking about that. We get to heaven because of Jesus. But he says, no, my reward is with me. And I'm coming for the things that you've done in the body. So he's talking about all those things that you and I have done since we accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior at the time of our salvation and all the way to you and I leave this life and we see Jesus face to face. He goes, I mean, you got to get an account to those things. All those things that you've done, he goes, I'm going to reward you for those. And I'm going to also, you got to give an account all those things you didn't do. What did you do with the life, the resources, the talents, the time that God has given you? And God says, I want to reward you. Hopefully you've got something I can reward you for. He says, I want to reward you. I've got a reward for you. To every one of us, he says, I've got a reward for you. I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me for all the things that you've done while in this body. And so hopefully you're doing good works. So we have this promise from God from this passage that our work in the Lord, our labor in the Lord, will not come back in vain, will not be empty. We're going to be rewarded in heaven for this, to everything that we've done. We get rewards here by seeing people come to Christ, seeing people being drawn to Jesus, but we also get the eternal reward that we're going to have, right? That he promises every one of us who are faithful serving God. So let's be at work for the Lord. That's what he's calling us to do. So we serve so that people would know Jesus, that he loves them, and they might know that he died on the cross for their sins, right? We got to tell them that. We just can't do good works without ever mentioning about Jesus, right? Because a lot of people out there are doing good things, but we're different. Christians, believers, as we serve the Lord, we tell them about the one we're serving. Because if I'm doing it in his name, how can I possibly go do a good work and do it because people are thinking I'm doing it in my name? I have to tell them in the name I'm doing it, right? I got to tell them why I'm doing this. I'm doing it for Jesus, doing it in the name of Jesus. I got to tell them about the one I'm doing it for. I'm not doing it in my name. I'm doing it in his name. Amen? So we're doing it in his name. So, so we have to eventually share people about Jesus, of what we know and who he is and what he did for them and stuff. And so my encouragement to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, serve the Lord because the church that works is a church that works. Because the church that works are people inside the church doing the work of the ministry. And if you're here today and you say, I want a church that really works, it's up to you. It's up to you. 
You doing the work of the ministry, serving the Lord with all of your heart, and watch what God will do with that. Because that's the church that works. When you looked at the early church, the reason it worked, because the people were working. And the church that works today is the same way. It's people inside the church that is working. And it's serving the Lord. Serving Him wherever you go, in your neighborhood, at your workplace, in your family, in this building, you're serving the Lord, right? Let's just serve the Lord. And by the way, anytime we're going to choose to serve the Lord, it's always going to require sacrifice. Serving always requires sacrifice. You can't say, well, I'll just add this on my schedule. No, it's going to take something away. Something's got to be sacrificed to serve. And sometimes you have a, a commitment when I'm serving in a ministry, so I've got to be here maybe in the evening at 6 o'clock, and I've got to serve 6 to 8 or whatever it may be. I'm just saying. And sometimes our service is like that. But many times our service is not like that. The opportunities arise. Surprises arise, and God gives us the opportunity right there to serve. Well, I'm supposed to be here, but God, you're giving this opportunity right here, right now. Now I'm supposed to serve the Lord right then. So it's going to take sacrifice. It, it talks about your labor in the Lord. If it's labor, it means it's going to be work. It's not going to be easy, guys. Many times it's going to be difficult to do the work of the Lord. Many times it may feel, I don't feel like it, but we do it anyway. Why? Because it's not an option. We're commanded to work for the Lord. We're commanded to serve the Lord. So we do it and watch what God does. Because every time we serve the Lord, if we're doing it truly for Him with the right motivation, things are happening. You may not see them, but God is making a difference. God is accomplishing His purpose in you and in the people you're ministering to. Always. There's not been a time where you truly minister that you're not changed for the good. We are ministering for God. That God is drawing you closer to Him. That's always the best, right? And that's what service does. When we're serving the Lord, we're depending upon Him. I'm drawing closer to Jesus. I'm getting closer to Him because I need His help, right? I need his strength. I need his power. I need his wisdom. I need his guidance. I need his direction. So I'm drawn closer to Jesus, and that's what service does to us. And I experience the joy of my salvation because I'm drawing closer, and God is using me to minister to someone else and make a difference. Whether you see it in their lives or not, God is accomplishing his purpose in you and other people. So we serve the Lord. Let's all be busy serving the Lord. Not be busy, buddies, but truly serving him where God has called us to serve. Amen? And I share this out of love with you because Scripture tells us, let's serve the Lord. You want to see you grow in Christ? Start serving the Lord. You want to see a difference made in, in your church? Start serving the Lord. You want to live a life of fulfillment? Start serving the Lord. You want to see the joy of your salvation? Serve the Lord. It's found there, guys. Let's pray. Lord, we come and we thank you so much. We thank you so much, Lord, as we look at the Apostle Paul and he writes this letter that he was dealing with what was going on in the church, and he comes and says that we're to serve the Lord with all of our hearts. I pray that would be our heart content, that, Lord, we would serve you. But, Lord, service never comes easy. Service is always, can always be difficult many times, Lord, because so many other things arise, especially here in America. So many things arise on our schedules. So many other things is calling our attention that gets us distracted from what you've called us to do. But, Lord, let us not be distracted from you. Let us realize, Lord, the most important thing we can do at any time, during any time of the day, and every day, is serving you. And so, Lord, let you be on our agenda 24-7, always. And whenever you call us to do something, Lord, wake us up. Shake us. If we try to ignore it, Lord, don't let us ignore it. Holy Spirit, convict us. Move us in our hearts and minds that, that you want us to go do this. And Lord, we'd rise up and do it because we can't do it without you. 
So, Lord, wherever you've called us to go, we ask that you go before us. And you would set the stage with people's hearts and give us the wisdom what to share. And you've promised, Lord, that we go in your power and that your word and your work will not come back empty. And so, Lord, we praise you that it's always going to accomplish its purpose. It's always going to accomplish what you want it to accomplish in that person's life and in our lives as we minister to the Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that for each one of us, that we'd realize that serving you is not an option. It never has been. That we're to be diligently serving you, not just giving you a little bit of ourselves, but giving you our whole heart in everything that we do. Lord, help us to understand this, that we'd give you our heart and put you first, Lord. Lord, uh, if we have not served, Lord, right now we can make a difference today. Just confess and say, God, I haven't lived that life you called me to do. But, Lord, today I confess it, and today I'm going to make a difference by starting to get involved. Sign up for ministry, get involved someplace, doing something around the church, ministering to others outside of this building. But we do that, Lord. So I pray, Lord, for each one of us, Lord, we take that next step. None of us arrived. All of us can do more. And so, Lord, help us to open up our eyes and to see what you see. Let us see the many opportunities you give us each and every day, Lord. Lord, we praise you. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.